0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score Good morning to you The winter meetings are upon us and let's talk some baseball with one of the biggest names, the most important guys we could talk to right here in Chicago. Our next guest joins us on the Alpamante Ford Hotline, Alpamante Ford in Melrose Park.
1: Rick Hahn, the vice president general manager of the Chicago White Sox, nice enough to take some time on a Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Rick.
2: Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, gosh, you guys have been busy. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, not everything, as we find out, uh, work out exactly, but uh, – you promised that you were going to be busy this year. Uh, you promised that 2020-21 were the time that you expected to pick things up. And so far, it seems like you're delivering.
2: So far. Obviously, you know, we still have work to do. But at the same time, we're, we're obviously quite pleased to have added Yasmani Grandal to, uh, much to no one's surprise, bringing back Jose Abreu. And we're intrigued by some of the talks we have going on right now. Uh, obviously, you can't convert on everything, uh, a point that was uh, publicly driven home this past week. But at the same time, we know that regardless of you know, whether we convert on one specific target or not, uh, there's still a lot of reasons to be excited based on the guys we currently have, much less what we may add in the coming weeks.
0: Rick, I'm wondering just how important Jose Abreu's presence was in luring Yasmani Grandal. There's a moment where Grandal said, we'll all follow Abreu to the promised land. And it, it made me pause and think about his place among Cuban baseball players specifically.
2: It's awfully important. I don't know specifically you know, what percentage that weighed in for Yaz when he made his decision. I know there were a, a number of factors ranging from Abreu's presence uh, to what he personally saw when he took the time to do a video review of, of the starters we currently have and the ones we have coming. Uh, I know that overall he felt that this was a place that not only was positioned to potentially win uh, repeatedly in the coming years, but one where he could have a great impact on a young staff and help to, help to mold them. Uh, this guy, I, you know, we obviously didn't have uh, the chance other than, I believe, a conference call for the Chicago media to get to know him. Uh, there'll be another chance, you know, come SoxFest, and then over the course of next year, uh, I think Sox fans are going to realize just just how special this kid is, Grandal, in terms of how committed he is to, to his craft and, and helping others. You know, he, he's obviously a great offensive presence. You know, the, the switch hitting ability, the power from the left side, the ability to get on base are all what the doctors ordered for this lineup going forward. But I tell you, this guy, number one goal, And number one priority is to make the pitchers better. Uh, He's texting me two, three times a week still with stuff he had seen on our guys and conversations he's had with our guys uh, about how he thinks uh, we're going to be able to get them better in the coming months.
1: Rick Hahn joining us on Inside the Clubhouse right before the winter meetings that begin tomorrow night in San Diego. Rick, how do you not get caught up and actually distracted by the marketplace, and when I say that, you know, you have Cole and you have Strasburg at the top. You have a lot of other guys like Wheeler that are in that next level, and then then you might you might be talking about you know guys like uh, like Keuchel and Bumgarner and uh, Ryu as the next level. But the the money uh, dictates the marketplace, or the market dictates the money. And how do you not get caught up in doing something that? You know, you really don't want to do, but it's you're left with few choices.
2: No, that's a it's a great question, and, and regardless of what segment of the market you're talking about, whether it's the, the absolute top or even at the other extreme of of more uh, complementary players that you're trying to sign to fill in, you are uh, subject to the market, and sometimes that's going to be a little more robust than you originally projected things out to be. We do our best. To try to before the off season really gets started in, in earnest, to sort of set our own parameters, our own expectations on on what a guy's value is based on his you know many many <laughs> factors from health to projected performance, and you try to be true to those. Uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, in the moment and while you're negotiating, while you can almost you know taste being able to get something done, there is a, a bit of momentum that builds up that could lead you to to deviate from that. And we, we have in the past we have deviated from those you know more objective, uh, cold calculated projections of, of what a guy should cost. You try to balance that uh, the the emotional side at the end game versus the more objective side when the mm-hmm. when the fever pitch wasn't going and and still try to do uh, a deal that not only gets you the player but obviously on terms that doesn't uh, put you in a bad spot going forward. So uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say there was this sort of I don't know momentum or emotional or fever pitch side to things when you're in the competitiveness of the you feel the competitiveness of the of the free agent market and you feel like you're close getting a guy that leads to you to stretching uh, and it's unavoidable at least uh, the way we go about it so uh, it, it's a balancing act and can be a challenge
0: and then the agent's preference might get in there I mean I wonder if there's one agent who perhaps would hold his guy until January or February. And can you wait around if, uh, if that target is, is not going to sign right away. And then what happens if you miss with other guys, this is all part of the act, the balancing. Right.
2: Exactly right. Speaks. I mean, that, that that's a great point and, and a nuanced one uh, that can get lost. Uh, you know, these things aren't simply a matter of, Hey, we'll pay you X times Y and you got 24 hours. And, uh, expect to get a, a pure yes in that time. Uh, a lot of times, guys are understandably, and, and it's what they're paid to do. The agents are strategic about how they want this market to unfold for their guys, and sometimes uh, they have a, you know, perhaps a quote-unquote buy now price if you want to do something today. Otherwise, they're going to wait. And you know, the, these players, the thing that you know, no one should lose sight of is the guys who have gotten you know, through six years of major league service and gotten to free agency, they've worked so hard to, to get there and have paid their dues, and you know, some of them have overcome injuries and worked their way back, that you can't fault them for playing out the market however they see fit and making their decisions in the end based upon any factor that's important to them. A lot of times, maybe not a lot of times, but sometimes, it's not about money. It's, it's about location, it's about comfort, it's about, you know, whatever other factor may come into a, an individual's decision about where they want to work. That can be frustrating because you want these deals done yesterday uh, and you want, want uh, to be able to convert on all your targets as quickly as possible. But there's a lot of factors that go into these things. And, and certainly the agents plan in terms of how they want the market to unfold to maximize their guys' earnings and the timing of that market is, is a real factor.
1: Looking at uh, your needs, and they seem to be uh, pretty much out there, and you guys haven't shied away from them. You know, knowing that you need a couple of starting pitchers, one good one at least, and maybe uh, another one to go along with your inventory, and and an outfielder, preferably a left-handed hitter, but not necessarily so. Uh, are we missing anything as far as maybe you need a, a possibly a middle infielder to, you know, kind of uh, augment, uh, you know what madrigal will be what um you know anderson does and uh you know someone to solidify that i know you have you know, leori to do some of those things but uh is that a possibility as well on your wish list this off season?
2: is it a possibility sure i think what you identified is, is, is very fair uh both from the standpoint of having more guys who can cover you in the middle is better Than fewer, and the fact that we do have Leary and Danny Mendick who provide some flexibility for us positionally with Madrigal coming at at some point. You know, we do, we're we're all, all of us in the front office, all White Sox fans, you know, we, we are all, I think, similarly excited to get to that next stage where this group starts gelling together. And, you know, I think we're on the precipice of it. At the same time, we do have to take... A bit of a longer term view as we have over the last few years when it comes to individual player development. You know, we'd love to have, you know, guys like Magical, as you referenced, up here as soon as possible and contributing. But we do have to time that based upon what's best for his development and putting him in the best position to succeed for the long term. So having a guy, whether it's Leary or Danny Mendick or someone we bring in from the outside to sort of, you know, remove some of the internal pressure or desire to get that clock going on a guy, uh, get him moving into the big league you know, environment, that helps. That does help. It's not essential, I don't think, for this offseason because of Leary and Mendick uh, and because Madrigal may force the issue quickly on us, but having a little more depth in that area certainly will not hurt.
0: In terms of developing together, and we're talking with Rick Hahn here of the White Sox on Inside the Clubhouse and 670 The Score. Uh, count me among those, Rick, who uh, wanted to see Luis Robert in in September, wants to see him on opening day, mm-hmm. La Pantera, as as the teammates call him. Uh, i th- I, w- I see a benefit of him being next to eloy jimenez in that outfield as much as possible from moment one uh, is that do you see that benefit and does that m- make you think about the service time issue differently at all
2: you know we really and, and people won't you know take this as credible i suppose but it, it we really don't spend a ton of time talking about the service time issue it's about Putting these guys again in the best position to succeed for the long term. Uh, I agree. He's going to be next to Eloy for a long time. When that starts, we'll just have to wait and see. Let's see how he looks in spring training. Let's see how you know that that unfolds and and go from there. Uh, again, if he had spent the 2018 season with a more regular development path, I don't think it would have been shocking to see him up last year. Uh, but adding a fourth level last year after having a real solid year just wasn't something that we thought was, was worth putting on his plate. We wanted to bank a a real excellent developmental step forward and uh, look forward to another one this year.
1: Michael Kopech coming back. Uh, What is the plan for him? And will you might, is it possible you might have to slow roll his return because he missed a whole year with Tommy John because he wasn't necessarily a finished product when you brought him up initially when he got hurt in the major leagues. What, what is the consensus among your group as to how this should be handled?
2: Now the consensus is that those points that you hit on are, are very fair and accurate, and we have to see how he is come spring training. We don't want to be in a position where we're sitting here come opening day, and we have to, and, and we have to depend on Michael Kopeck for the next six, seven months. We want to be smart about this because he hasn't uh, faced major league hitters at that point in over 18 months or 20 months or so since the time of the surgery. And when he came up, he was obviously in a a great position, but you're right. He wasn't a finished product. So we need to look at this. Where is he at in spring? He's going to come, he's going to come in without restriction. Uh, He's going to come in fully healthy with the rehabilitation completed. And, and other than the issues we've identified, you know, similar to to any other starter. So what we're gonna to have to do is see exactly where he's at and then come up with a plan to put him in the best position to get through the twenty twenty season in a in a productive way. Uh there'll probably have to be, obviously, like it is with most all guys coming off of T J, you know, some innings management done over the course of the season. How we go about that, and we'll determine that come come March.
0: And realistic expectations for Carlos Rodan in terms of that rotation,
3: Rick?
2: Uh, I would say the the timeline hasn't changed yet, and it's probably not gonna change until you know, at least April or so when we can reevaluate where he's at uh, after after a full spring training. He continues to do his rehabilitation, it continues to go well and, and the original return of let's say, you know, post all star break, you know, last couple of weeks of July or early August remains intact. So that can that can obviously move forward or backwards, depending on uh, how things go once he starts throwing the, the hitters in earnest come next spring.
1: Rick, uh, Matt and I talk a lot about it, and we talk a lot on the station about the uh, surprising off-season start to uh, baseball signings and trades. Uh, as an official who is involved in it on a daily basis and somebody that's competing against the other Net 29 clubs for certain players, are you as surprised as... Some of us knowing that the last couple seasons have been extremely slow when you talk about free agency and, and trades weren't, uh, you know, they weren't a huge part of what was going on.
2: Yeah. It's been a, it's been a very robust early start to the off season, which, which is nice. It makes, uh, we certainly prefer that as you, you have targets that you'd like to convert on such as grand And you're able to do something like that early in the off season that, you know, removes one big priority for you, which, which is excellent. Uh, you know, there's definitely been uh, robust bidding throughout free agency and, and a lot more trades than we've seen in years past, but we've seen, we've seen winters like this before. Uh, it, it used to be, you know, certainly by, let's say, SoxFest, uh, the norm that you know, most all the transactions were completed. Mm-hmm. Last couple of years, that hasn't really been the case but this seems to be more uh, more in line with with past off seasons uh, or the majority of past off seasons in the last couple which which is great it certainly uh, certainly is our preference
0: as as you line up uh, possible starting pitching targets rick and you think about which guy you'd love to target and close a deal with do you find yourself considering where you are right now in the rebuild where the organization is are you looking at a guy's possible ceiling or do you look at a guy's potentially scary floor? Like, do you want to be safe with the signing? Or are you right, going right. to try and swing for the fences with somebody who might be ace level, but maybe not quite as long as
2: other guys? It's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, obviously, we're looking for someone who's going to remain productive well in, well throughout this window. Uh, there's risk when you're talking about signing pitchers, especially veteran pitchers who've uh, been around for a little bit. There's always risk in these signings. Uh, You certainly can find things in in just about every uh, free agent pitcher that would give you reason for concern going forward, and and you need to sort of balance that against the reward that they bring. And and what you outlined was sort of two different types of reward. One where it's that upside, potential ace, potential anchor for your rotation, and and the other is, uh, you know, safer but stable and is going to, you know, eat up some innings, and lighten the load on these other guys on the giolitos and Ceases and copex and and uh the others that we have coming in the organization which which is a real benefit uh ideally you find that sweet spot in terms of risk reward and cost that uh allows you to get a guy who not only sort of helps stabilize and lessen the load on on the rest of the rotation but still has that uh ace type potential those are not so easy to find, especially given the risk involved in some veteran pitchers. But I think if you can thread that needle, then then you've accomplished something.
0: So in those texts with Yasmani Grandal, as he mentioned, uh, how much success Jin Ryu had with him in uh, in in L. A. <laughs> I, th- I think they
2: were very good together
0: when they were Dodgers together.
2: They're certainly familiar with each other, that's for sure. And and Yaz <laughs> is not afraid to uh, share his opinion on uh, both our guys and guys that are available in the market. Rick, so, in closing, he's with not shy.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Rick, in closing with you and uh, Matt, and I really appreciate your time today. Is there a sense that teams and yourself included here would like to get something done before departing for tomorrow and getting trapped in the old free agent, uh, you know, traps that are there, and the you know kind of getting caught up in what the winter meetings have been and and can be uh, going into this next four or five days?
2: I mean, the the simple answer is we certainly prefer to do things sooner rather than later that's that's generally true regardless of the the time of year whether it's uh, prior to the winter meetings or prior to the holidays or prior to the trade deadline we've always preferred to identify our targets and get them done quickly i, I personally you know think it's important and we've talked about this in years past at the winter meetings there's nothing magical about getting a deal done Tuesday at the winter meetings. Mm-hmm. It you know, creates a little more buzz, perhaps, and fulfills some expectations within the fan base and the media and is rewarding for the vast number of staff members that you have down there for these meetings. But a guy can have is not going to have any less impact on your team if you acquire them December 20th versus December 12th. Uh, so we do try to avoid uh, that fever pitch and that momentum that exists that could draw you into doing something hastily. Uh, but I get it. I get it. Look, I obviously grew up a baseball fan and, and grew up very excited about the rumors around the winter meetings and, and eager for my team to do something, especially if you start seeing other teams do things. I but was
1: making all that stuff up when you were listening.
2: I knew that, and it's, it's still the case. So I, <laughs> uh, but it's, but it's, it's, I get it. From a fan standpoint, yeah, we want to go down there, hit on all our targets, get yep. these deals done. But in reality, from an executive standpoint, as nice as it would be to get these things done today or tomorrow or over the course of the week in San Diego, it's, it's less important to get them done there than it is just to get them done and on, on the right
0: track. Oh, come on. Drunken cocktail napkin trades at <laughs> 2 in the morning. You Let's got,
2: go, Rick. You got the wrong guys. That's, hey, that's, I romanticize that as much as the next guy. That sounds awesome, <laughs> and if we get something done that day, great. But that's, that's not the goal.
1: You can't get drunk on those, you know, mixed drinks with the pineapple on it. and
2: Oh, in San
0: Diego? Where yeah. are you drinking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rick, uh, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you. We'll be trolling the halls, uh, you know, following you and all the other 29 GMs and you know, top officials around. It's always fun. It really is. There's a lot of energy at these meetings, and uh, I've enjoyed each and every one of them. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Rick Hahn, the vice president, general manager of your Chicago White Sox. And um, I, you know, I get the sense that um, the White Sox will make make a move here in the next few days. You do. Huh? I do. I do. In, I, and I th- in terms of free agency. Or in I, terms I, think, of trade? Yeah, I think they're going to get that one more free agent pitcher. They man, they don't want to get trapped in that uh, atmosphere there that regardless of what Rick says. And, you know, he, he's right about it. He's been around and he's seen him for a long time. Um, there is that. You know, you get caught up in uh, the atmosphere, and all of a sudden, Ryu looks like a five-year pitcher rather than three-year pitcher. Yeah, we can get you don't. You away. don't want that to happen. You want to get your guy right now, and I think, I think the next forty-eight hours, um, the, the White Sox have a good chance of adding if they can get people to agree with their their hmm. number. Very, very
0: interesting. Well, you know, I, I'm hoping for Ryu, and when I look at you know the fact that Grandal. And Ryu were friendly together and played together and had success together. You know, one thing leads to another these days in free agency. So
1: yeah, might, might uh, your reaction to, to Rick Hahn and also Cub thoughts for the winter meetings three one two six four four six seven six seven text Matt at 670-11.
0: Yes, uh, we are open in terms of phone lines the rest of the way. So dial it up and get involved. And inside the clubhouse, right here on six seventy, the score.
3: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: All right, it's Inside the Clubhouse on 670 to score. Bruce Levine this hour is brought to you by the Illinois Secretary of State's office, Visit www.realid.ilsos.gov. And uh, the bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. One week from tonight, join the Chicago Wolves for Star Wars Night at Allstate Arena. Ticket package includes a laser saber. Visit chicagowolves.com or call 1-800-THE-WOLVES. You know when you're interviewing somebody, Bruce, and you try to be all clever and ask a question without people's names
1: no, attached I don't know, to it? I don't know that.
0: And you're thinking, all right, I'm not going to put names here, but I'm going to make it so obvious who I'm talking about that maybe your answer will give me a window. So when I asked him about looking at free agent pitchers, Rick Hahn I'm talking about, and you look at a ceiling versus a floor in terms of what is more desirable and age in there as well. I was thinking Hyunjin Ryu right. versus Dallas Keuchel.
1: Okay, that's good. I mean, and I think a lot of people were probably thinking right along with you, and Bumgarner's somewhere in the middle. Right. You know. Um,
0: and and what did you, what, you, you get from his answer in terms of where he was? Um, did he give us anything? No,
1: probably yeah, not. Yeah, but he's, it, he's good at that. But I, I would say this um, – who do you think would would last 4 to 5 years and give you the most bang for their buck? I mean that that's you got Ryu's 33, mm-hmm. Baumgartner's 30, Keiko is like 30, 31. I think he's 32 in 32. fact. 32.
0: Um, but from uh, Bumgard the youngest of the three which doesn't make any sense. So from a situation
1: where uh stuff could drop off. Yeah. Who would you be most concerned with that it would erode to the point where you get nothing out of years 3, 4, or possibly, do I dare say, 3, 4, and 5? I, I, because I think Bumgarner is being mentioned as a, a five-year guy.
0: I would be scared, very scared, of Bumgarner's year 3, 4, and 5. Very scared. I would be scared of uh, Ryu possibly year 3 and year 4. Um, and I'd be less scared of Keuchel's year three and year four, but I'd be much less excited about Keuchel's year one and year two.
1: And I I wouldn't be excited about giving Keuchel five. No. No. So what you and I expect and what the market dictates are going to be probably two different things. You know, um, Bumgarner right now is set because Wheeler – is not looked at as that much of a better pitcher than mm. than Bumgarner. Now he might have a bigger upside, and people might think that you know metrically he's turned the corner uh, on his career, uh, you know, because of the fact that um, he's been healthy for two years in a row. But the the bottom line numbers don't you know, they don't scream out number one or number two. They scream out you know hey this guy's going to be number three maybe if he, he gets the right people around him. He wins 14 or 15 games. But um, I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, um, do teams automatically know that uh, they're not going to get anything year four or five on, on some of these long-term contracts?
0: Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you do that with that knowledge in full. Um there there is a report out there um from a, a Dominican baseball mm-hmm. media person yep, named Frank Castillo um saying that Marcelo Zuna is going to sign with the White Sox tomorrow okay saying saying that Marcelo Zuna I just translated the tweet Marcelo Zuna travels to the US tomorrow he will sign with the White Sox agreement will be announced We better on get Monday. Rick back
1: on the phone
0: 2 days then 2 days yeah, Marcelo Zuna. How would you feel about Marcelo Zuna, White Sox fans? Well, it comes a right to Chicago,
1: Rick Hahn won't be there to meet him on Monday. So, well,
0: it just says the U.S. It doesn't oh, okay. say Chicago. So, okay, he could, could be, be in, San Diego. Could
1: be San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a good player defensively. Challenged these days after having been a Gold Glove outfielder, uh, three years ago.
0: You are talking about. Serious work that Luis Robert will need to do in the middle between Eloy Jimenez and Marcelo Zuna, right. and, and
1: then where which corner does he play, left or right?
0: Well, I think because I think Eloy has to play left right now while Abreu's here and Grandal is here. I know, but I H- mean, bats.
1: Osuna had challenges in left, so now he's your right fielder. Uh, brings a big bat. Um, you know, I think uh, guaranteed rate will be a friendly place for him if that indeed is true, and he. Ends up being with the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it doesn't doesn't solve their left handed power situation, but it gives them another guy that's uh, arguably a thirty plus home run hitter.
0: It's a Boris guy. That is a a, a, a Boris guy, a Dominican Republic mm-hmm. um, player Marcelo Zuna. But interesting if they can work Maybe out a can Boris deal. Maybe bundle
1: with uh, Keuchel and bring them both together at the same
0: time. <laughs> Go, or or uh, you is Boris right? Is Keiko Boris as Keiko's well?
1: Boris, Oh, yes. my God. Everybody. Yeah. You might as well just camp out in uh, Orange County and hang out at the Boris Corporation and just uh, forget about going to the winter meetings. Just hang out with Scott there.
0: Marcelo Zuna has played a total of 65 games in right field in five seasons. Mm-hmm. So you've got somebody's going to have to get converted to a right fielder, either him or Eloy. That's or y- y- you're looking at a lot of a lot of uh, at bats you have to find for some guys with defensive limitations. You know, this
1: guy used to have a very good and accurate arm, and that has ne- not necessarily been the case over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, um, I you know they've they've done their due diligence. I'm sure they know what they're doing. He's, he brings power to your lineup, and that's going to be uh, uh, you know you you look at every position on the field. If if indeed he's part of that outfield. And there's there's not a weak link in that offense now with uh, Grindel behind the plate. Abreu, probably Madrigal at second. Anderson at short. You have Mankata at third base. And then you have these three outfielders. That's an
0: exciting lineup.
1: It, it, it is. And it also brings, um, you know, with Robert and Madrigal, it brings some more athleticism to the team as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I just... That, that, that that's scarier to me than uh, Nicholas Castellanos playing right field. I found myself as I watched Castellanos with the Cubs. Able to live with that concept of him in right field. People uh, want to
1: talk to you, Matt.
0: They do? Just to me, you think? I think to, to all of us, especially, there's, especially there's, you. Just you and me. 312 644 6767 is the phone number. This segment is brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six inch sub for $379 every day. Subway, make it what you want. At participating restaurants, additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Let's talk to Terry. In St. Charles on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. What's up, Terry?
3: Good morning, gentlemen. it is the season for a hot stove, and Bruce, you're just the guy to stoke the flame.
1: All right. I'll try I to got do a that for you. For you.
3: Um, I read something here recently about um, uh, the pirates needing catching help. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure if that's true or not, but it, let's say it is just for the sake of my question. Um, I don't know the uh the the salary uh structure for Marte or how many years he's got left. Two years. Okay. There,
1: there, there's a year and which was an option and another year. Okay. And it's uh eleven and a half and twelve and a half.
3: Okay. Um first of all, is that something that might be possible? Second of all, does Brian's contract um stuff uh, arbitration thing come into play on something like that?
1: uh it does you know money wise it does come into play thanks for your call matt um so asuna you know you would you would have to say you know they would have to you know find that 12 or 13 million dollars for the next two years they have money coming off the books you know next year lester's contract is up um so is cantana's that's why they feel they need to add some controllable pitching this off season but um you know this is a very good player and he he can lead off he's got a three forty two lifetime on base percentage he still steals bases um would be a, would answer defensively he's he's an outstanding outfielder. Um, I
0: should say, by the way, that Marcelo Zuna no longer has Scott Boris as his agent. Thanks to Jim and Lockport for for reminding me of this. He, he changed over in May to MDR Sports Management, who also represents Yadier Molina. So the Cardinals thought that perhaps they were going to have an end to talk. but uh, So we'll see if this is true, this this uh, report yeah, I, out I, of the Dominican I, I, that Marcelo Zuna who, will reporting be the one his name is Frank Castillo, and I have seen him reference the
1: right handed pitcher from the Cubs. Uh, amazingly not. The late Frank Castillo, right? Yeah, yes. yeah.
0: The late Frank Castillo. Drowned. Twenty six out uh no hitter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So close. So mm-hmm. close that Frank Castillo.
1: Greg had. Maddox called a whole season of games for him where he had his best year from the bench.
0: Yeah, he called pitches for him? Yep. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's the right guy to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um he I,
1: did it for Morgan, Mike Morgan too. He won 16 games that year, but I but we digress. Um That's what we do. The the idea is that um uh I'm hearing this, you know, is questionable as to whether they've actually going to sign him or not.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, Bruce is digging into it, uh, sourced as we try to dig through the news um, and see if it's actual news or just kind of stuff being floated out there. When we come back, more of your phone calls and Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. And I have a Chris Bryant trade scenario with a specific team and a specific name I want to talk about with you when we come back on The Score. Bruce Levine. I'm here. I have a Chris Bryant trade possibility to throw at you
1: okay let's just, let's just tell people first off that uh, yeah the Marcel Osuna rumor yes is just that right
0: now. Uh, you, you, you you tell us authoritatively and loudly sir
1: I just checked with a source and they said you know that there is no credibility to that story right now
0: so Frank Castillo is a Dominican baseball reporter reported that Marcelo Zuna was traveling to the US and would sign with the White Sox on Monday. And our Bruce Levine checked with the source and said the source said mm, not truth to that. No. Just no. Yeah. Just a flat flat no. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that's pretty that's kind of yeah. definitive. That's pretty yeah, definitive. And,
1: and you know what? Um these front office people that, you know, you deal with Yeah. They don't they don't normally like to be asked about every rumor out there. But um I think in the White Sox case, uh, they like to keep the they like to keep it clear for their fan base right now. They're in, they're in that you know period of time where they're they're they are speaking directly to their fans when they make moves. So when there's distractions, I think they like to clear that up as well.
0: Okay, well that's that's very telling and very interesting. So. So put that one in your, in your pipes, yeah. Sox fans. I
1: mean, he's a, he's a good hitter. I mean, he's going to—
0: There is no defensive spot.
1: I, I don't see Zero. it. I mean, no, White no. Sox need some more athleticism at that position.
0: Just with him, he and Eloy, both of them would need to play left field. Right. Because Eli, you're not going to DH Eloy now that you've re-signed Abreu and you've I mean, got Grandal's at-bats to get in there. I'm more comfortable
1: with Castellanos. Me too. Because after watching him play, I think he's an improving outfielder. Uh, he he played third base most of his career up until a couple of years ago. So from what I saw with the Cubs, I think he has good range going to his right. His range to the left is a little shallow, but there's the, the line is right there if you, you're playing right field. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, you know, um, I think they need a, a, a better defender, ideally a left-handed hitter, but Castellanos, nobody would say no to Castellanos, you know, I think that would be accepted. But, you know, Ozuna is a DH or a left fielder, depending on what league he's in.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll see. So Castellanos out there, Cole Calhoun's still out there, obviously, and and, and all sorts of trade options uh, will be uh, on the White Sox table this coming week for the winter meetings in San Diego. All right, let me throw this at you real quick. Um, The Braves want Josh Donaldson back on a short-term deal, apparently. If they don't get that done, they've got a big old gaping hole there at third base. If you are the Cubs... Would you would a trade to the Braves involving Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. um, what would it look like? How about the name of Austin Riley, yeah, I the third-base prospect? He's a, he's a
1: big power-hitting left uh, third baseman, but uh, why wouldn't you say, why, why aren't they giving him the opportunity to play that position?
0: Yeah, I'd wonder about that as yeah. well, right? You mm-hmm. Just give him the position. He was Rookie of the Month in May. Yeah,
1: if he's uh, so good mm-hmm. and he's such a part of the future, Future should probably start now with some of right. those other great young players in that organization. Why do you want to give him to me? <laughs> but uh, but Atlanta, you're I mean you're in the right you're in the right area with your you know with your trade thought. I'll, Atlanta is has a robust farm system. They do. San Diego has a robust farm system, and they're in win now mode, right? So I, uh, Philadelphia actually has some good players that, and they need a third baseman. The the thing about Atlanta, if if they don't get Donaldson, they have to worry about Washington or Philadelphia signing him, right? So it's, it's kind of a musical chair thing going on with, with your Bryant idea, which is a good one because Bryant is a candidate for a lot of those teams.
0: There's another name in the Atlanta system that intrigues the hell out of me, and it's a center fielder. Um, with tremendous defensive skills, who took a big step offensively last year. Kid named Christian Pache, mm-hmm. who is uh, a, a, I believe a Dominican center fielder who just finished at AAA and was awesome. And right. so, can you imagine center field and potential leadoff uh, for the Chicago Cubs? That seems to be a fairly uh, well. You're more open, likely to get the hole. guy they
1: have right now. You know, Enciarte. Enciarte. Mm-hmm. He's more likely to be the one with the uh, not last year, but. Previous years on base percentage, speed, defensive ability, and center. Would you be okay with him for the next two or three years? Well, that's so the existence. I think of, he's. Uh, he might be a free agent after two thousand and uh, twenty.
0: I'll check him. So, so the existence sure of uh, of Pache and so together. So would you take him
1: for one year? You know, that would be the that would be the question mark on Inciarte.
0: No, but it would be a starting point. Yeah. But that kind of package, that kind of. Target or destination? Yeah, I mean, these brunch, are all, yeah. all,
1: all the things that they're going through right now, and mm-hmm. uh, and we're we're continuing to get uh, people to talk about it. By the way, uh, Ford Frick Award is being awarded this Wednesday at the winter meetings. Uh, that's for the uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster every year that's picked mm-hmm. out, and Ford Frick Award is the winner. They are in, inducted into the broadcast wing of the Hall of Fame. Locally it's Pat Hughes and it's Ken Hawk Harrelson. There are other great names on the list like Mike Shannon in St. Louis. Um Dwayne
0: Kuyper, right?
1: I think Dwayne Kuyper. There's um uh, a couple other people that have been around for a long period of time. So not easy. They only pick one every three years. Dwayne ro- Stats. Dwayne Excuse me. Dwayne Stats. Dwayne Stats. Uh, it's a it's a rotation. Um you know, I'm rooting for the Chicago guys. I think Pat is among the best broadcasters that have ever done the games. You know, that's that's how highly I think of him. Hawk, on the other hand, uh, iconic and certainly a guy that's changed some of the baseball, uh, you know, lexicon, jargon, everything you know that you talk about the game. Put it on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly a lightning rod, not loved by everybody, not hated by everybody, and not not loved, but. Uh, sometimes hated, but never ignored. So you have two pretty, pretty iconic Chicago broadcasters that have a good shot at getting in.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Tom Hamilton, another one of the candidates, wow. it's a terrific broadcaster oh, he's, in he's Cleveland. So yeah, it's,
1: it's a tough list, and none of them are bad. None of them are bad. Mm.
0: Um, we, uh, Bruce, you're headed out to San Diego. You'll
1: be there when tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's setting up shop and on all the shows during the week, obviously it's a little bit of a slower bear week, although there's a lot of bear momentum, but they don't play until until next Sunday. So I'm sure baseball talk will be part of it, especially if, Cubs and Sox are staying active, and I expect them to be.
0: Uh, it should be a very, very interesting week out there. Uh, also, MLB is going to reveal its inaugural All MLB team at the winter meetings. So, just like of the All, all time? You no, know, just this this past year. But just like the All, all Pro yeah, team, yeah, that's for the a NFL, great idea. That's I think right. so too. That's
1: right. You so, expect any Chicago players to be on it? On uh,
0: mm, the first team, All MLB? Yeah. I don't think so. No. I, I don't think Giolito is is top five pitcher material. If we got no. a five man rotation, no. no.
1: I don't see Abreu is probably not going to make it. No. I mean, none of the Cub players had that type of year. Baez
0: as a uh, as did. a reserve,
1: he did. Yeah, could I mean, be. I mean,
0: is it is it a twenty five man team? I'd love to have Javier Baez yeah, on it, my twenty five. man I think man it's team. a
1: twenty five man team. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting. By the way, Matt, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I write Cubs and Sox things all the time on 670thescore.com, our website. Look forward to next week as well and talking to uh, people all week long from the winter meetings.
0: The all-MLB team will not have reserves. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so. I think no Chicagoans this time.
1: No. Thank you, Bruce. Safe right, travels. Matt, take care. You and Rosie have a good time.
0: Is Steve Rosenblum and myself, Matt Spiegel, for the next three and a half hours. Stick around right here on The Score.